0: Does someone gonna... have a cat? Is there a cat? Yeah, that's my cat. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I can't do anything about her. So whenever I don't mute, you're gonna. Have... That's fine. <laughs> you can have. Yeah. I just didn't know if it was.
1: <laughs> I, I couldn't tell if it was on my end. <laughs>
0: hey, buddy, come here. It's okay. You don't. She, yeah, she misses her mom. Yeah. Well, it's that's all right. A cute, sound cat. Yeah, she's she's a great cat. You're very upset. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> or, or hear me out, Robert. Okay, <laughs> We could cover chapter two of The Trillion Dollar Coach. Hey,
1: we should do that. What do you think? Yeah. This is a great chapter.
0: It's, it's an awesome chapter. <laughs> yes.
1: What's the title? Your title makes you a manager. Your people make you a leader.
0: Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. Yep.
1: Yeah. I don't think we're going to be able to get to all the topics today, too. So I was actually going to ask you all if you wanted to maybe do, do this multi-part? a multi-parter. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah there, there's, the there's, end, there's
0: definitely enough in here for, for a two-parter.
1: I think so. At the end, it kind of covers the sections in that last paragraph. And so operational excellence, putting people first, being decisive, communicating well, knowing how to get the most out of even the most challenging people, focusing on product excellence, and treating people well when they're let go. So that's seven seven things. I don't know that we can cover them all today unless there's anything burning you want to you go first on.
2: Yeah, I've got a hard stop at four, so I, I'll do my best to... Yeah, same, same tribute, but yeah, I'm I'm cool with two part or if there's a, I can't remember if we've got like a something in the hopper that we could do one off, short. Yeah, sweet. you know,
1: let's let's just see how far we get. Okay. It's a pretty dense chapter though. I I don't remember so much being packed into a single chapter before, but there's definitely a lot in here.
0: Yeah, maybe we start with the the headline of the chapter, and and you know what. Maybe what it meant to you when you first read it, and then if that sort of changed as you read the chapter. Yeah, yeah, that
1: sounds great. You want to go first? Since sure. Yeah. It? yeah, yeah, okay, happy, cool. Happy
0: to happy to go first. Yeah. So your title makes you a manager. Your people make you a leader. And when I first read that, so I read this uh, book after I read uh, the nine lies about work that we covered, you know, in a previous season yeah And what this really made me think of, it, it made me think back to that book, and to the idea in, in that book that basically there is no like set of magic traits that make you a great leader, and that the only thing that really makes anyone a leader is that they have followers. And this really hit the same note that your people make you a leader. you know, those people through their self-determined will have bestowed sort of the, the mantle of leadership upon you. And, and maybe that's the distinction that we can make between somebody who says that they're a manager, somebody who says that they're a leader, and somebody that maybe that says that they're, they're both. And the idea to me that you can be a leader without having a title and without being a manager. Like I don't, I don't think being a manager is prerequisite to be a leader but being a good leader is probably a prerequisite for being an effective manager in, in my mind. And this goes back there's a friend of mine Scott every morning he would drop his little boy off at school and he he would tell them he would tell him be a leader. And that's all he would say. You know, he'd say you know, he wouldn't sort of elaborate on that. He, he'd say, just be a leader. And I, I don't know why I remember that. <laughs> this is something that, you know, it's, you know, I talked to him about it maybe you know, eight, nine years ago. But but I thought that was such a powerful moment every morning between father and son. You know, son being you know six, seven years old, he was just getting into first grade. That yeah, his his message every morning is be a leader. So that's that's kind of how I processed the title of this chapter when I when I first saw it. What what did you think, Robert?
1: Yeah, there's this really good quote. So this is when you know Bill Campbell earlier in his career was a little bit too micromanaging, dictatorial. and uh, Donna, who worked for Bill, who I think ended up being a CEO somewhere else. If I remember the story, like
0: pom- Palm and Handspring. Palm,
1: that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. Palm. Yeah, uh, she came in and said, "Hey, if you we're going to go back to Apple, <laughs> if if you keep treating us this way, your title makes you manager, your people make you leader." So, you know, Donna Dubinsky, right? Donna Dubinsky. Yep, that's right. Yep, I think right. that's right. Okay. And so, one, I, I think it, there's a hidden sort of virtue here around humility. I think that Bill Campbell demonstrated by telling the story because <laughs> he, he looks like the jerk and, and Donna looks like the hero, which in this case, that's accurate. It's just coming from Bill, coming from the person who looked like a dummy in the situation. You know, typically we don't, you know, we tend to, to forget those pretty quickly. And he kept calling back to it, which I think is cool. But later on, Bill was coaching a manager who was struggling him, and he said, you have demanded respect rather than having it accrue to you, accrue to you, which is really interesting. And then he says, you need to project humility, selflessness, things that project that you're, you care about the company and about people. And the, the thing about respect accruing like really was an interesting way for me to think about it. You know, we've talked about emotional bank accounts and stuff like that. That's fairly common, but this this idea as a leader that you're slowly accruing respect, it's building up incrementally, slowly over time, and that it pays dividends for you in the future through more effective teams, through rapid growth, objectives being met, things like that. So I think that's maybe the one thing that stuck out to me around, if maybe if you could focus on one thing, it's like engaging in behaviors that help accrue You could call it respect, you could use another word like loyalty, trust, I think is a great word that you, trust is probably a really great word that you could pop in for respect, like if that to speak to you. The, The kind of following that we're talking about here that humans have to intentionally and through their own volition opt into accrues to you slowly over time through your behaviors or diminishes very rapidly. And so that I think is a really kind of poignant focus for for me on on this chapter
0: yeah charles did you have any thoughts that were spurred by like the title of the chapter
2: yeah there's a lot to unpack in this title it it, it's a wonderful title for a chapter your title makes you a manager your people make you a leader i the initial reaction i had was similar to yours igor about hey the definition of leader is that you have followers Which is a pretty simple definition, but not—it's not all that inspiring, you know. uh, Necessarily, it doesn't speak to what you are leading and and why. But that your people make you a leader. The more I sit with it, the more kind of layers of the onion I can peel back, and you know, I think in the first couple of pages of the chapter, Robert, I, I landed on a similar quote. This is not what Donna Dubinsky said, but this is. Bill's mantra that he attributes to her that unpacks that phrase a little bit more if you're a great manager your people will make you a leader they acclaim that not you and i i don't consider myself to be a arrogant self-centered person i have those tendencies but i i tried i have tried very much to cultivate you know some balance there i mean you need a little bit of ego to have the confidence to try new things, but not so much that, that there's no shred of humility in you. That makes you unbearable. You know, I, I'm well aware of that. I have, a, I have a print that has that, like the balance of humility and confidence and allowing the ego to be porous as a reminder. But when I read that, you know, specifically, they acclaimed that, not you. And he's referring to the, the leader part. I was like, oh, man, I've been thinking about leadership all wrong. Like, when I think about leadership, it's what am I doing? You know, your reaction, Robert, to the what are those behaviors that accrue, you know, stuff in a relationship that maybe leads to people claiming to be a leader? I think about that a lot. It's like in every interaction, I can either gain share or lose share. So it's, what am I doing to gain share? I mean, that's... Um, a phrase I came across that I tried to embody, whether it's with a client, a prospect, or a a friend, or a a teammate. But even though I, I feel like I'm doing the right things, it's clearly my mentality about leadership is rooted in me and my abilities and capabilities and worthiness and experience and strengths, as opposed to, no, I don't have the right to say that I'm a leader. Others do and only others do, you know, so it's, it really kind of shook me up a little bit when I, when I saw that. And I think, you know, in our firm, we talk a lot about servant leadership, which I think is, you know, Bill, Bill Campbell would probably really appreciate and support. You know, it, it's kind of related to this lead from behind courageous followership is a phrase that we use and that we teach, you know, it's, it doesn't matter your title, like you said, Igor, you can still lead, but I I've, I had to do quite a bit of reflection on, wow, you know it's, I I consider myself a leader. Why is that the case? You know, it's like because it's because I think people follow follow me for what I say and for what I believe in. But I don't know. I mean, it, it, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm having an existential crisis here based off of the title of this chapter, but I'm really trying to unpack this this sentence here. They acclaim that your people acclaim that, not you. And so it just kind of begs the question, it's like, who am I to say that I'm a leader?
1: You know, th- this is really interesting. I-, I was hoping we would go down this route. I was I was thinking of it maybe a little bit differently than you, but we- we're- I think we're landing on the same spot. There's such a level of practicality to the way Bill Campbell operates. He was a true like, practitioner of leadership. Right. There are people who might think about how tables and chairs are built. And then there are people who like build tables and chairs. He was at the saw at the workbench, like building things with people. And and the things we talked about at the beginning around operational efficiency or effectiveness, managing people really well, dealing with difficult people, those are all things that Bill Campbell did really well. They, they were in pursuit of an objective. That he managed the holistic organization and, and people around it that led to good results, that led to people being taken care of, that led to people thinking he was a leader, feeling like he was a good leader. You know, there's this story at the beginning that we, I th- I'm hoping that we could talk a little bit more about where Google at one point did away with all their managers. They went like super flat organization. We don't need them. Over the next year, they sort of asked around and it turns out, yes, like even the smartest people on the planet who at the time were all being hired by google, right? You could you could make a case they had all the smart people or at least the, the line share of them. They would they're saying I want someone I can learn from. I want someone to break ties, right? I just I don't want to be directed and micromanaged, but I'm I'm fine taking direction from being led and not being like required to self-start all the time. And I thought that was really interesting too, so people actually want someone to come in in a fair way to have a good framework for making decisions. To, to coach and grow the team around them. Like, it's, it's kind of like hardwired in us. And so I think we're, at in some sense, like at, at an advantage there because most people want that in their professional lives. The, the downside is, I think just, we've talked about this before too, like humans are just generally pretty terrible at the active management and leadership. And so it is, it is definitely a hard craft to master.
2: Yeah, and speaking about his craft at, you know, leveling up the whole team right that's something that we talked about in the intro that you know he he views his job as a coach to level up the team's performance where a lot of times we think about individual coaching in the corporate world and when you when you frame it like that then it i think it becomes more obvious that you can't say that you are a leader that it must come from your team and it it actually creates a nice little feedback loop because if you are doing what you need to as a team coach to level up the team's performance to rack up wins to improve improve output and productivity and whatever and make make people's lives better while doing that then you know that that would very easily make that team see you as a leader (laughs) and and then if if they see you as a leader then that reinforces your desire to improve the team's performance and creates this nice little virtuous cycle and so i i think i still have to i mean throughout this whole series like i I just need to think about what does it mean to coach a team you know that's just such a different paradigm than what i'm used to thinking about when i'm coaching people but i I think that is that is part of his craft you know like you're talking about robert and i'm trying to piece apart or tease apart through this through this book i'm with you charles
0: like i
2: reading this chapter
0: I started to feel like a jerk, you know, every time, you know, any time that I sort of implied whether implicitly or explicitly that I was a leader, it like, you know, it's like me parachuting in with a big red mission accomplished banner behind me. But you know, maybe I didn't earn that. And so it really made me reflect on how I talk about myself and any claim that i can have towards leadership you know being uttered by me well
1: if, if you're ever thing. feeling if you're ever feeling bad about yourself as a leader igor and you would like to give yourself some grace you could i don't have all the details right on this but i think zoom recently laid off like five or seven hundred people and they did it over zoom
0: <laughs> oh it, was, at the it same wasn't time. zoom it was like uh bookingbrokerage.com or something like that. But yeah, they did it over are Zoom. Sure it was,
1: it, are you sure it wasn't Zoom? It,
0: it was not Zoom. Yeah, it was It was some sort of like financial company or something.
1: Oh, maybe better.com?
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it started, oh, okay. with, started with a B.
1: Oh, man, I thought it was actually at Zoom. Okay, better.com. Yeah, better.com. Yeah, sorry,
0: the dude gets on there. He's hey, you 900 are like the unlucky group that is getting let go. And by the way, part of that is because you're underperformers and I mean, it was it was pretty brutal, you know. Holy cow! I can't imagine that.
1: Oh, and he oh, he's taking a leave of absence now.
0: Yeah, I mean, like what what else yeah. are you going to do after a disaster yeah. like that?
1: <laughs> so you you could be doing worse. Is oh for some reason I thought I it could was be Zoom. Doing worse. Okay, so fired nine hundred employees over Zoom.
2: Yeah. Oh gosh. You know, just to bring this back to Bill, I'm reading a part of the the second chapter again, and here's here's an interesting tidbit i'd like to get y'all's take on this a little bit you know thinking about your weekly coaching sessions with your team leads so in the book it says when they met with bill so bill's you know, coaches, i guess they said what we discussed first and foremost was management Yeah. so there's something subtle there where he's not coaching them to be good leaders he's coaching them initially at first right first priority was are you effectively managing? And so, although Igor, I agree with you, you don't have to be a manager to be a leader. At least in in this context, especially in the corporate world, it's like your job as a leader is to you know train and coach effective managers. You know, so I guess maybe a question to you, Igor, is if can you be a leader and a poor manager? You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think maybe in a, in a- in a corporate
0: context, pro- probably not. And but but I also think if you really expand the definition of manager, may, maybe being a good manager is a is a prerequisite even more broadly than just you know strictly in the corporate world. Yeah, you know maybe bring. <laughs> and Charles wanted to get away from it, but like the better.com thing, right? You know, it, as part of this chapter, there's there's a part that says you know the top priority of any manager is the well-being and success of her people. And and I think if you apply that standard and you ask, you know, Vishal, who's who's the person that did this layoff, you know, it, in in that in that activity, was his top priority the well-being and success of of his people, and and I I would challenge people to give a definitive yes to that, you know, and I think maybe if 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 Vishal had brought that lens to you know cuz the the layoffs probably necessary right if he brought that lens to that interact you know how how could he have you know shown leadership and subsequently not have to like sort of you know slink off and take a break and you know turn off his twitter just just the thought you know if that's like a consistent lens that you can apply as a manager to
2: yeah probably most say, actions say the lens again
0: yeah so 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 the lens is the well-being and success of your people is your top
2: priority. As a manager. As a manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, I don't know. I don't know, man, because if I try to put my bill hat on, I would say as a manager, your 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 goal and purpose is to be successful in business, and which requires a lot of operational excellence, which I, I know is a topic that comes up later, and so, I don't know. I I can't articulate what my issue is with that because in in my mind, I I I want to be able to try to separate the two and say, hey, man, I don't know. I mean, it, it's just the the you know, as a manager, I think you have a duty to the outcomes of the business, right? Making the business be successful, and. And yet, you have responsibility as a, a leader. That—that's what I asked you to to state the lens again, because it's like, hey, if you're the the focus of being a leader, I think is is rooted in your people's well being for sure. You know? I think I'm just confused with that. It seems like it's crossing boundaries that that don't need to be crossed. I don't know. I mean, the same people fill those roles, right? The same people are managers and expected to lead and. Some people are more effective at one than the other. Well, the very I think rare few is... are, are good at both. And I don't know, probably not making any sense.
1: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm having the same thing going in my head. I just, I have the luxury of not having to ramble about it uh, because you were doing that for me. So thank you. You're it, welcome. So it, said, it says the top priority of any manager is the well-being and success of her people. I, I do think is the foundational element. That that's like the cornerstone or the the ground that you're building the the solid ground that you're building the the organizational structure on. Right. Because Bill was super results oriented. But no one ever called him a jerk about you've seen like the stereotypical hard driver. We need you to come in over Christmas break, even though you put your time in to take off, you know, months ago. That people always tend to try to eek more hours of effort out of humans as a proxy for getting things done. Bill didn't do that, but he he was very practical, very focused on operational excellence and improvement, not shy about giving feedback. And I think it's because he built these relationships up first. He accrued that trust, focused on well-being and success first. And then when all these other things came up that required difficult conversations, he got the benefit of the doubt, right? People jumped because they were well taken care of. And so, I think this is the core leadership behavior or priority or whatever you want to call it that unlocks all the other things that that you can accomplish with a team
2: because the foundation is solid. Sense. I mean, if you if I read later on to, into the chapter, you know, the book says the primary job of each manager is to help people be more effective in their job and to grow and develop. And I think maybe there's some nuance that I'm applying here that I shouldn't, that to me, that's in, in in alignment with to serve a greater purpose, you know, beyond the individual person. You know, it's the it's the purpose and the the goals of the organization that they they collectively work for. But when you talk about like well being, you know, and taking care of being a, a caretaker of individual people, I, I don't think that's the job of a manager. That could be the job of a coach, you know, or a friend or a therapist, you know, but the the manager piece, I think, where it starts to, and 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 look, I, I probably sound like an ass because, but I mean, you two know me. Like in in our company, I I care very much about the well being of the whole person, you know, in our in our firm and including our clients. But we are definitely an anomaly in terms of how we train our people to think about leading and coaching and developing people. But
1: Yeah, I mean, you you do have, I would say, a very sophisticated and nuanced understanding around the area of well-being. I'm not sure, like, when you say the word well-being, and they say the word well-being, they mean the same thing.
2: That's true. But if we
1: go back to PERMA, right, so we have a whole series on this, positive emotion, engagement, positive relationships, meaning accomplishment, is the sort of positive psychology constituent elements of what is broadly called well-being
2: yeah, yeah.
1: and you know I, and i do want to get to this either in the conversation today or the next one around positive emotion because the thing that i, I love about this chapter is bill campbell's such a kid right he's his table's goofing up goofing around in, in like super serious business dinners right he's uh throwing napkins at al gore who's throwing them back at him right everybody always felt a little jealous if they weren't at the table with Bill Campbell because he was, like, so, it brought such levity to situations, which I think is pretty cool. So, you could definitely argue that Bill and his style generated a lot of positive emotion through mm. the the personal connectivity that he facilitated in one-on-one and group meetings, like the trip report and things like that. You know, engagement, meaning, and accomplishment, that makes total sense, right? Like, I don't I don't think those really even need to be Dug into because that's just part of doing excellent work, which the the chapter is full of. And then positive relationships, you know, the, that's part of his whole team team building philosophy and structure is working individually, working at the group level, and then sort of smoothing out some of the rough edges of the team. So, mm. I mean, if we take the sort of the clinical, what is it, positive psychology definition of well being, I would say that all of these component elements Bill Campbell brought to his coaching and And leadership management style.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point.
1: I like the gain share thing too. By the way, you brought that up earlier. I wrote that down. That's pretty. That's a cool thing to think about going into a meeting, or an interaction around.
2: I mean, it completely changes my mentality and posture and tone. You know, because I, I think once I once I really, you know, heard that advice and started to practice it, I noticed that and. Really what the practice entailed was even if it was just a moment, like a split second before I started the meeting or I started the conversation, I checked in to say, Am I gain am I about to gain share or lose share? That's all the practice was. I was surprised at how often I was on the verge of losing share with somebody because I I'm very quick to judge and I don't like that about myself, but very quick to judge and and that, in combination with I think I'm maybe slightly above average at being able to diagnose like underlying root causes, i can I can tend to be pretty harsh and incisive as opposed to helpful. And so that was the biggest thing for me. I was like, wow, I'm geared up and ready by default for losing share because I'm not considering the impact of what I'm about to say on on other human beings. And so, yeah, it was yeah, it was good advice.
1: I mean, there's three conversations I've been in this week that are just off the top of my head. So I know there's more where I I went in on the defense, right? Like I knew there was going to be a bit of a spar. And looking back, I'm thinking, oh man, that's a guy I, I lost share in those discussions. And maybe it'll be fine. Like, it, of course it'll be fine. Like the the people I was talking to are I've known forever. Like it'll. But you can only do that so much, right? And and you lose share much faster, exponentially faster than you gain share.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, and I don't remember if in the book they talk about Bill making mistakes. Do y'all remember that at all? Like where where Bill screwed up or he he did something wrong? Or
0: I know yeah, I, mean, I know he uh, talked about early yeah.
2: on in his CEO he was dictatorial, but that that was before he was you know superhero Bill, as adored by everybody that he's ever you know, kind of coached and worked with. Do you recall any major failures on his part where,
1: oh, well, ma- <laughs> or is major he in fact failures? a superhero? I mean, he was part of like go, which failed. They don't really get into that though. Mm, yeah. There was the one where someone on the board, he was advising a CEO, I think a Flipboard, but I can't remember now. And they, he kind of said, Hey, you dealt with this person wrong. And then it, the issue happened again. And he said, Oh no, I, I was wrong. <laughs> It's actually the problems over here, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, yeah, I don't recall any major failures outlined in the book, but I, I do think that he's pretty good about relating his coaching. And maybe there's some wisdom in this. When he coaches another person, a lot of times or a measurable amount of times, it's through the lens of having made that mistake in the past.
2: Yeah. I think I just want him to be flawed like me. So that way... I hope I could oh, be like man. him yeah I mean he's a human
1: yeah it definitely was yeah, for I, sure.
2: Yeah. I, I guarantee
0: it the, yeah this this discussion made me made me think of something and it's you know it's a tool that we use uh, and that other companies use and it's the the Herman Brain Dominance Instrument and it's you know, it's the circle that's sort of split into like quarters and it's, you know, color coded and each color sort of corresponds with a particular, you know, one of four brain dominance types. And when I when I read the top priority of any manager is the well being and success of her people, that's like a red dominance sort of thinking. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense to me. And, yeah. and I think that that's probably the tension that Charles had with it because it felt maybe incomplete. And, you know, what part of what Charles said was, you know, part of management is providing a, a common vision for the future, right? And goals, or let's say a vision, you know, and that's sort of the yellow part. And then the other one was, you know, performance, you know, and making sure that things are are getting done and and excellence. And, you know, the fourth one that maybe we hadn't mentioned was, you know, sort of safety, right? And probably all four of those things are important. And maybe, I I don't think the point being made here is that they're not part of being a manager, but maybe that the red, you know, the people, which is the well-being and success of, of your people, should be like the top. Thing that you're considering not at the expense of the others probably maybe if you know for whatever reason there's a conflict right that maybe you skew more people
2: oriented and i like that because I, at the end of the day what we're doing whether we are developing a software product or trying to transform a company where it, it requires you know coordinating and motivating humans at scale and so I, I buy into the idea that pretty much every problem we encounter doing that is a people problem. And so as a manager or a leader, however you want to define those things, people has got to be at the top of the list. And because if, if you don't, then it becomes infinitely harder, if not impossible, to actually do anything. What, one of the most beautiful quotes I've ever read in a book is it's from Gerald Weinstein, and he wrote The
0: Secrets of Consulting. And the quote is, Regardless of what the client tells you, it's always a people problem. Nice. And I just, yeah. I love that so much. So that, that's, my, that's my takeaway. And yeah. I, think, I think this is a very high red point of view from, from Bill.
1: Yeah, he, he was definitely human first. Hey, I mean, I know y'all said you have a hard stop. I think we should go another episode on this chapter. We definitely need a second session. There, there's some gold in here around... Yeah. Structuring one-on-ones and preparing for them, dealing with difficult people, product excellence, communicating well, being decisive. And so certainly I want to cover the decisive and and one-on-one structure stuff. So maybe we'll just pick up where we left off next week.
0: Yeah, I love it. Sounds good. Okay. Great talking to y'all. Great Great talking to you guys. Bye. Bye. See y'all.
1: That's it for today. Thanks for joining. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at WannaGrabCoffee or drop us a line at hello at WannaGrabCoffee.com.